I um, have been spending a bit of time with the Lord fo- uh, focusing on and thinking about the importance of our God stories. Um, if you saw my email or my, um, I put a couple of things on Facebook, I've just felt to start our year talking about celebrating our God stories, the story of God in our lives. And uh, I don't know about you, but I love a good human story. Um, and although I don't mind fiction, the stories I really love the most are the true ones about people. Um, and I'm sure most of you know, because I talk about it quite a lot at the moment, that we had a wonderful um, summer holiday in New Zealand in January. And as part of our trip, uh, Justin's parents joined us just for the last week of that. Now, um, Bob and Jackie live in Canberra. In fact, Justin was born here, so they've lived here, um, you know, 47 plus years. Um, But Jackie was born and grew up in Auckland, and so she had, she, she actually said this to us while we were away. She said, I had always wanted to show the girls, which are my four daughters, who are her only grandchildren, where I grew up. And I had lost hope that that would ever happen. And so um, she and Bob turned 80 last year. And we just said to them, look, would you join us just for that last week? We'd love for you to come. And so we just spent the most precious three days, particularly in Auckland with her, visiting all the places of her childhood. Um, It was really quite magical. And I've got these pictures, not so much of the landmarks she was pointing out, but every now and then I'd sneak back as she was standing there with the girls pointing out to things and just get pictures of her recounting stories to them of her childhood. So, you know, we visited the green where she played women's cricket, which again, at, at she's 80, so it was not a usual thing necessarily for women to participate in a sport like cricket. Um, amazingly, the cinema that she used to go to is still there, obviously pretty modernised now, but it's still there and still a picture theatre. Um, the yacht club where she um, went to dances, and she still loves to dance. Her and Bob, uh, for their 80th birthday, gave each other tango lessons. And so, I mean, they're very fit, healthy people. And so she loves to dance. And so um, she would po- she was po- pointing out all of these things. We went and peered over the fence of her family home. I'm sure we looked really suspicious because there were eight of us trotting down the street. And, I mean, the front of the house has changed, but the back of the house is actually the original house that she grew up in. She's an owner child so she doesn't have siblings or anything like that Um, and she was bursting to take the girls into the library where she first developed a love of books and it's something she's very much passed on to my girls and so we went into the library that she used to ride her bike down to to get books and so her, her childhood stories just came to life as we were standing there looking at all of these places that are a part of her childhood. And you could not wipe the smile off her face. She was just glowing the whole time as she got to share her story with us. Um, and telling stories is not a new thing. You know, from ancient days, 
across cultures, people have shared both faith stories and family heritage stories and passed those on from one generation to another. One of the things my girls love to do is to get mine and Justin's parents to tell as many stories of us as little children as possible and the naughty we are, were, naughtier we were, the better. So they've got this whole, tell us again, Nonna, the time that Daddy crawled into the spice cupboard and emptied all your spice jars all over the floor or tell us again granny about the time that mummy opened up her nappy and smeared it all over the cot you know all of these sorts of things that they think are just hilarious (laughs) it's a reminder to them that we were children once I guess really what I want to do is just that they're just some examples setting the stage for what I want to explore tonight which is why telling our story And giving space to others to tell their stories is so important. Why should we celebrate our God stories out loud? God is the greatest storyteller. Scripture is filled with the stories of humanity and our interaction with the divine. The biblical narrative reveals God and his ways to us and storytelling is actually the primary way that faith is shared throughout the Bible. Whether it's the good times in our life or the hard ones, on the whole, it is our human nature and I think particularly as women to want to tell someone, to share it with somebody, whether that be the joy or the pain. Now, that's not necessarily broadcasting it to the world, although obviously social media has changed a lot of that and how people can share their stories more widely. But at least that desire to be able to share our stories with those more closely around us. I was thinking about this and I guess the only exception that I think there is to that rule, or there might be others, but one big exception to that rule is when there are parts of our life story that we feel ashamed about, parts that we actually want to hide. And I guess before I go in any further, I just want to again declare the truth that there isn't anything in our story that God wastes. There are even the parts we would like to cut out and burn and just pretend never happened in our life. There isn't any part of our story that's not able to be redeemed by him when we yield ourselves and turn over our lives to him. And um, with, with him, there is always going to be more to our story than meets the eye in a good way. And if you need to be convinced in any way, you just have to look throughout scripture Um, filled with people who had stories that were redeemed by the Lord. Moses, who was a murderer and an exile, who then went on to lead his people out of Egypt. Daniel, who was emasculated as a man and in in, in captivity and yet heard God so clearly and, um, and represented him in such a pagan culture as Babylon. Esther, who really for want of a better word, was a sex slave. I mean, she was, she was taken to be added to, um, by a, to a foreign king's plethora of wives and concubines, and yet God redeemed her story. Um, and we remember all the amazing exploits of Esther. Or you've got Rahab, who was a prostitute, 
and make, it makes it into Jesus' genealogy. And, and, and Ruth, of course, who was a refugee. So the, the scripture is filled with people who had stories that they may have wanted to hide and yet God redeemed their story. I think that there is something really important for us as individuals in telling our story of being heard and I was having a think about that. What is it when somebody really listens to our story? What, what makes that so important? And so maybe it's because we do feel a little bit more understood and more fully known um, and really when people really listen we feel valued and cared for, don't we? That actually when people take the time to hear our story and to, um, and to value our story, we feel cared about. I think that there's another side to that, which is that when we um, share our story, we also, there's this really amazing exchange that takes place because, in fact, in sharing our story, we make ourselves more vulnerable and we invite people into our lives just that little bit more when we share parts of our story with one another. Um, and we, we really des- demonstrate our desire to be connected when we are willing to share our story. I think one of the other things that happens if you are a listener to somebody's story, as well as that sense of being invited into a part of their life, is that um, what happens is we're invited into actually seeing how God is at work in their life. And the other thing that I think happens is that it enables us to share our experiences even when our experiences are different. So each one of us here is this intricate bundle of experiences and motives and desires. Like we're all wired differently. We've all got different experiences. And even though some of us sitting here tonight may carry similar stories, none of us have exactly the same story. And so hearing the story of others not only connects us, but actually it challenges sometimes our preconceived notions about people. I don't know about you, but when I've, there have been times where I've taken the time to just hear somebody's story and I've realised that I held a prejudice. It might be a racial prejudice that I've held or um, I've just had a preconceived idea about why they must be acting a particular way. And in fact, when I hear their story, I suddenly have this insight and it dismantles my prejudices and even um, builds in me a sense of compassion for them. And what happens with listening to people's stories is that we learn about life beyond our own experience. Um, And um, I mean, you see that really even in the accounts of the gospel where um, the accounts of Jesus's life are told from different perspectives because we all see things just slightly differently and, um, and that happens when we give space to one another to share our stories. So as believers, I think all of us would agree that we're fairly well aware of the um, encouragement to tell our stories or our testimony um, as an integral part of sharing our faith with people who've not yet encountered Jesus. 
And uh, in Mark 5, we read the story of the man who was possessed by many demons and Jesus heals him and he wants to go with Jesus. He, he's met this man who's completely changed his life. He's like, I want to come with you. And Jesus says to him in verse 19 of Mark 5, no, go home to your family and tell them everything that the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. And you get all of these pictures through Scripture, sometimes where Jesus does instruct people to go and tell. Sometimes he instructs them not to tell and then they go and tell anyway because, in fact, when you've encountered Jesus, it's very hard to keep that to yourself. Um, But sharing our stories um, in that context is much more than giving a theological explanation for why we believe what we believe. What I do when I share my story is that I invite you to see the story of Christ in the midst of my life, including all the messy bits and the difficult bits. To actually, I invite you when I share my story with you to taste and see that the Lord is good. Um, And when we share our redeemed stories, we actually bring witness to God's steadfast love and his goodness and his righteousness and his justice and how he intervenes on our behalf. I think that when we share our testimony, we also um, more broadly give witness to the truth that we serve a God who in Christ entered into our human story Um, into this broken world, that he's not a God who is far off from us, that he is one who has come for us. And that that isn't just represented in the, the scripture that's actually represented in our life, that he came for us, that he rescued us and continues to um, enter into our human story. But I think Whilst we would all agree that there are benefits to telling our, or sharing our testimony from an evangelistic, yep, evangelistic point of view, there's also benefits to continuing that process of sharing our stories or storytelling for Christian faith um, ongoingly. That in fact, when we share our stories with each other, we grow in faith. Um, as we encourage one another through what God is doing in our life. And I was reading yesterday that um, the early Methodist movement, what they would do when people first came to Christ, is that they would actually be plugged immediately into a class meeting or a home group kind of thing. And this question was asked of people, how does your soul prosper or how is it with your soul? And so members were actually invited in these smaller groups to tell the story of their walk with God, to actually share the good and the bad. How does your soul prosper? I, I think, um, I mean, we're quite good at asking one another, how are you going? But in true Australian fashion, the general answer tends to be good even if we're not good, or for it not to be elaborated on, well, why are we good? Like, how does your soul prosper? And I, I was wondering, you know, what, what would it mean for us? What if, as a group of women this year, with genuine hearts, we began to each other, uh, ask each other, how is it with your soul? And just invite one another to share the stories and the ongoing stories of what God is doing in our life. 
Celebrating our stories together is what means for us to actually grow and transform. Um, there are lots of scriptures that talk about how we're to stir one another up to love and good works. And I think storytelling plays a really important role in, in doing that. We grow in faith by sharing our stories and actually giving witness to how we are being shaped and changed and transformed in the midst of daily life. So what I wanted to do this evening was just share with you a small snippet of part of my redeemed story. Um, some of you may have heard this before, but I just, just felt to, to share it again. I um, grew up in a loving family home. My parents celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary um, last year. And my mum um, is a doctor and um, she worked with children all her life. And she's a very strong and capable, very independent woman. She got her medical degree at a time where it was pretty unusual for women to go into medicine. So she would have very much been in the minority. Um, and um, she's just a really servant-hearted kind of a person. My dad um, is a man who's always actually, and I'm very blessed in this, made relating to the father very easy. He's a very loving man, very accessible and tender-hearted, and um, if I was to go to anybody as a child, it would actually be my dad that I would have gone to to talk things over. And... I mean, I'm sharing those things with you because I guess the key thing that I wanted to share with you is that I didn't grow up in a household that knew the Lord. Um, and, but I want to be honouring of the fact that they um, are great parents and um, have done the best that they possibly could by myself and my three siblings. Um, but my family home was not a Christian one. My parents themselves did not grow up in homes where there was any personal relationship with Jesus. I think my grandfathers went to church, but it was really because that was the thing to do, not because there was really any relationship um, there. And I've got in my family line a great-grandfather who was involved in the Welsh revival and some great-great-auntie who was a missionary in China. But really, on the whole... I'm not from a family that is generation upon generation of um, Christ followers. That isn't my story. We attended church on and off when I was growing up, but that's because my parents are both Welsh and they love to sing. And um, when we were still living in England, the head um, choir master in the church of the village we lived in was actually a very well-known choir master. And so they went to church to sing. Um, I... I cannot think, though, of a time where I didn't believe in God. And I had a book of Bible stories when I was little, and I just remember pouring over it. So I don't remember, even though God was not talked about in my household, I cannot think of a time where I didn't believe that he existed. When I was 13, we moved to Australia, and um, we I moved from an Oxford Comprehensive High School to Canberra High, if any of you know um, <clears throat> Canberra, to say that was a culture shock is an understatement. Um, and what happened is I started going to youth group not long after we arrived in the country, pre 
predominantly because there were some cute boys from school who went and I decided that that was a good reason. In fact, I remember finding a letter from my mum that she'd written, hadn't posted yet to my auntie, that said, Catherine's found religion or maybe it's that she's found boys. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, whatever my motivation for going to youth group, it set the stage for my first encounter with Jesus that demanded a response. And at 14, I made a commitment to Jesus in my youth group. I don't want to make excuses for my choices, but what I can say is that walking with Jesus when you're a child and you have no parents in the household who know him is quite hard. And so by the time I was 16, I'd really drifted off again. And at 17, I headed to Melbourne to study occupational therapy. And again, the choice of city was motivated by another cute boy, my then boyfriend and now husband, Justin, because he was going to be studying in Melbourne. But on my first day of orientation, 800 kilometres from home, I met a girl, Narelle, and she became really one of my closest friends. We ended up sharing a flat together for three of the four years I was at university. And it was in relationship with her that I again just had my second encounter with Jesus that really demanded a response. And so I was immersed in church, um, uh, Christian campus ministries, many Christian friends, and I began to walk just a little bit more sure-footedly in my faith. This was actually the point in my life where I first came in contact with um, Vision. It was called Ruark then, and it was a little um, church in uh, the Woden Youth Centre. And when I, I was back on my university holidays... As a result of reconnecting with my old youth group leader who first led me to Jesus, I um, started going to um, uh, Ruach, as it was called then, um, on my university holidays. I was running Christianity Explain groups. I was baptised. I was filled with the Holy Spirit in that time. But for reasons that are a little complex but probably a combination of hurt and disappointment and just the plain sneakiness of sin. By the end of university, I drifted away from the Lord again. And so I returned to Canberra and began working as an occupational therapist. I was 21 by this time. Justin and I got married. We bought our first home. And really the ache for Jesus was barely recognisable other than the odd questionable choice like having my tarot cards read, reading some New Age books, just trying to fill the gap. And then in the merciful and faithful ways of God, as I stood in church for the first time in six years at a wedding, not one that I was invited to but one I was just told that I could come along and have a look the stage was set for my third encounter with Jesus. And as they sang just a few worship songs and I felt the presence of God, I stood there actually bawling my eyes out in a wedding, which is just as well that it's all right to cry at weddings. Um, and I just stood there and I thought, what am I doing trying to live my life without you? And the very next day I was in church and that was 22 years ago. This is just one part of my redeemed story um, as a repeat prodigal offender. 
And I could have shared with you a journey through infertility or postnatal depression. I could have shared part of my redeemed story as a parent um, of a child with special needs. These are all redeemed stories in my life. What happened for me was that I actually lived with this view that I was just this repeat prodigal offender for about another five to six years. And I was very grateful to God for accepting me back, but quite sure that he would not really trust this unfaithful woman with much. But I was wrong. His love is extravagant. It's restorative. It's redemptive. It's merciful. He pursues us. He's generous. And it doesn't make sense. I am continually undone by his steadfast love and faithfulness in my life. The overflow of this part of my story that impacts me still is that I have a deep compassion for young people. I've met quite a lot of young people through my kids and they go to a Christian school where children who've encountered Jesus, whether that's in their school environment or at a youth group, but actually go home to a household where their parents don't know Jesus. And whilst it's not impossible, it is really hard as a child to know how to walk out your life with Jesus without a generation running before you. And I am so grateful to God that that isn't the story of my girls. I remember once having a a conversation with a friend of mine um, And she's generation upon generation of Christ followers. And she said, oh, I've got no exciting testimony. I just have always known Jesus. And I just looked at her and I said, that's the testimony I want for my children. I I don't want them to know anything other than the love of Jesus in their life. I want this to be something that carries on for my children and my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren, that this story of faith and this redeeming, redemptive God um, would step into each of their lives. I'm also fully aware because of my story and it impacts me and the way that I guess I look at the world that God gives second and third and fourth chances to people. Now, I would never ever want to presume or preach to presume upon his goodness, Um, but his process doesn't always make sense to us. And there are many times that his forgiveness and who he forgives and who he entrusts things to makes no sense to us. And I don't know about you, but, you know, even with my story of God's faithfulness to keep pursuing me multiple times in my life as I've walked away from him and he's brought me back, is that I've made judgments about other people and why God has entrusted them with things. But when you hear people's stories and you hear the faithfulness of God and how he shows up in our lives, I think it does just unravel that prejudice. And who are we to question his choices? (laughs) The story that we read in scripture again and again is God taking flawed and ordinary flawed and ordinary people and doing extraordinary things in and through them and every one of us 
has a story and every one of us has a story that's powerful. Your story may be that you are from generation upon generation of Christ followers. There is power in your story. You may have a story of physical healing or a story of restored relationships, the story of the breaking off of addictions in your life. You may have a story of provision. Yours may even be a story of the faithfulness of God in the midst of still waiting for breakthrough and in the midst of even unimaginable grief. That may be your story. So my question to you this evening is what is your redeemed story or what are your redeemed stories because we all have more than one. There's many, many parts to us, aren't there? I want to encourage you that your story is worth celebrating and our stories together are worth celebrating. And so in the context of Vision Women and what that means for us this year, my heart really is that we would be a safe place to share our stories, to be women who would genuinely ask one another, how is it with your soul? How is it with your soul? What, what's the God story in your life? That we would invite each other to come in just a little bit closer through our storytelling and that we would expose the goodness of God to each other. And so... I really would love that 2018 is a year where we celebrate our stories together. And um, I think over the next couple of months, um, I just would, um, I will be just giving opportunity for people just to share a, a part of their story, just so that we have an opportunity to get to know one another a little bit more and to value each other's stories and to value what God is doing in each of our lives. Um, so I, I, don't, I, I would like to leave it there, I think. Um, I'd love to pray for us. And, um, and then I'd love for us just to have the opportunity over fellowship and supper, supper this evening, just to get to know each other. Um, we obviously don't immediately go to necessarily sharing all of our stories. Um, and that's okay too. Like we're not, we're not, God doesn't ask us to just lay it all bare all of the time. We have to be wise with how we share our stories with one another. But um, let's start that process of just sharing how God is at work in our life, what God has done for us. Um, and glorify him and value each other in the process. So, Father, I thank you that you are the greatest storyteller. And not only do we read time and time again in your word of the way that you intervened into human history and also the way that you intervened into individual lives to redeem them, we are just aware, God, that you do that for us. And Lord, that in our storytelling, we get to celebrate who you are to us, the way that you've moved in our life. And we get to encourage one another, to value one another. And so I ask, Father, that um, as we begin this year together, 
that you would help us to both share our stories and also to value and listen to each other's stories. And Lord, I pray that um, in every area of our lives, all of us have parts of our story that still feel maybe a bit unredeemed or a bit difficult or prickly or painful. But I thank you, God, that in our story, you waste nothing. You are not repelled by the messy bits. You are not put off. You meet us right in the midst and you weave the beautiful, generous faithfulness of who you are into us and into our lives. God, help us to um, begin to celebrate more and remind ourselves more of who you are, what you have done for us and to encourage one another, God. So I just thank you, Father, for this time together. I pray that you would bless our fellowship now over supper. We just really trust in you for good things this year, Lord, and we thank you. Amen.